Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Flinders Highway runs 800 kilometres, or almost 500 miles, between Townsville and Mount Isa. Between 1970 and 2018, 12 disappearances have been reported on this length of highway, with only one being sold, leading it to be more commonly known as the Highway of Death. One theory is that a thrill killer operates along the highway. Police have come across leads to support this, but none have been conclusive. It's more likely the crimes were committed by multiple perpetrators who gravitate to the barren stretch of road. Queensland's Highway of Death, this week, are mysteriously listed. Number 8. Judith and Susan McKay August 26, 1970. Seven-year-old Judith McKay and her five-year-old sister, Susan McKay, disappeared from a bus stop near Townsville, and they were reported missing when they didn't come home from school. After a two-day search, their bodies were found in Antill Creek, a dry creek bed about 15 miles southwest of where they were last seen. The youngest sister, Susan, was found first, before a trail of footprints led searchers about 200 feet to Judith's body. Authorities would later theorise that it's possible that Judith had run for her life after her sister was killed. Their autopsies would determine both girls were raped and stabbed three times in the chest, but Judith was still alive when she was buried and choked to death on the sand. Their school uniforms were found neatly folded in their school bags, the girls' straw hats and shoes, with the socks folded inside, were lying besides them. After police announced a $10,000 reward, several witnesses would come forward with information. On the day the girls went missing, a woman living at the Atkinville Hostel near the bus stop saw the girls getting into a brown 1963 or 1964 Holden sedan with a distinctive grey-blue mismatched driver's side door. Another witness would also report seeing a similar car parked at Antill Creek around the time of the murders. The driver would be described as being around 5 foot 9 with dark hair. He was dirty-looking and wearing a white shirt. In 1998, Crime Stoppers Tipline received a call from a victim of serial pedophile Arthur Stanley Brown, who police always suspected was the person responsible for Judith and Susan's murders. Brown would take many of his victims to Antill Creek to sexually assault them, and then shortly after the murders, he also replaced an odd-coloured door from his blue motor vehicle and buried it. He told his family he only did this because he did not want the police bothering him. Arthur Stanley Brown would eventually be charged with Judith and Susan McKay's murders in 1999, almost 30 years after their deaths. Unfortunately, the jury was unable to reach a decision. 
He was declared unfit for a retrial due to dementia and he died a year later. Number 7. Robin Bartram and Anita Cunningham July 4, 1972. Student nurses 18-year-old Robin Bartram and 19-year-old Anita Cunningham set out from Melbourne, Victoria on a hitchhiking trip around Australia to visit Robin's mother in the small town of Bowen in rural Queensland. They were last seen leaving the Pentland Hotel, but never made it to their next stop in Charters Towers. The skeletal remains of Robin would be found in a shallow grave in Sensible Creek, under a bridge on the Flinders Highway near Pentland four months later, on November 15, 1972. She had been raped and shot twice in the head with a 22 caliber rifle. Anita's body has never been found, but she is also presumed to have been murdered at the same time as Robin. A reward of $250,000 was announced, as well as immunity from prosecution, but this did not lead to any serious tips and the case went quickly cold. It was then reopened in 2003. A renewed media campaign also did not result in any major breakthrough in the double murder. In 2019, former police detective Mick Gurn would theorise in a media interview that he believed Ivan Malat was the person responsible. His reasoning was due to a discussion a woman had with an employee of the Pentland Hotel. Detective Gurn claims this employee told him the girls were hitchhiking with a man only known as Cowboy, that they left with this man that night but were never seen again. Another suspect in the murders is John Andrew Stewart. Stewart firebombed the Whiskey A Go Go nightclub in Brisbane on March 8, 1973, resulting in the deaths of 15 people. Randall Wilson claimed he met Stewart at the Pentland Hotel around the time of the murders when he was staying there. Randall told Stewart his plans to go kangaroo hunting that night and when he returned to the hotel, all his belongings were stolen. Some of these stolen belongings were found near the Sensible Creek Bridge, very close to where Robin's body was found. If Stuart was responsible for Robin and Anita's murders, we will never know. He died in prison in 1979, taking any secrets with him to his grave. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Number 6 Catherine Graham 18 year old Catherine Graham was selling encyclopedias door to door in Townsville on the evening of July 29, 1975 The last time Catherine was heard from alive was at 8.19pm when she called her mother from a payphone. 
During the conversation, she told her mother there was a man standing nearby that was making her uncomfortable. The next day at 5pm, her badly beaten body was found near the Flinders Highway, not far from where the McKay sisters were found almost five years earlier. Police would later admit her body was buried in a similar manner. She had been raped, and her skull had been crushed with a rock. In 2019, the Queensland Cold Case Investigation Team announced a $250,000 reward to help generate new leads. Unfortunately, none came, and a suspect has never been identified in Catherine's tragic murder. Number 5. Karen Edwards, Jordan Twaddle and Timothy Thompson October 1978, 23-year-old Karen Edwards, 31-year-old Gordon Twaddle and 21-year-old Timothy Thompson disappeared near Mount Isa during a motorcycle trip around Australia. They planned to ride from the Northern Territory to Cairns, Queensland, before heading down the east coast of Australia to Melbourne, Victoria, to spend Christmas with family members. Karen and Timothy rode their red and gold 1977 BMW R100 with a homemade sidecar for their puppy, a Doverman named Tristy, while Gordon rode a blue 1977 Suzuki GS750. The trio were last seen getting into a Toyota Land Cruiser truck with an unidentified man at Malunda Caravan Park on October 5, 1978. They left their motorcycles and Tristy at the campsite. Something that actually bothers me reading, but the caravan park chose to remove the group's belongings and they dumped them at the local garbage disposal site. This included Karen and Timothy's dog Tristy. No trace of the trio was found for almost three weeks. On October 24, 1978, a dog walker stumbled across Karen Edwards' body, propped up against a tree, and left her rotten bushland in Spear Park, six miles north of Mount Isa. Police later found the bodies of Timothy and Gordon against other trees in the area. The three had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber rifle. Decades passed until the case was reopened in January 2019, and after more than 50 leads were generated, police finally announced they had made an arrest in April of that year. 63-year-old Bruce John Preston, a retired senior police officer, was charged with three counts of murder. At the time of the initial investigation, Preston was caught riding Timothy's distinctive motorcycle, but he claimed he had found it and was fined $300 for the theft. He was not considered a murder suspect at the time. This was mainly because he was interviewed in 1978 and he told police he wasn't even in Mount Isa at the time of the murders. But then in his 2019 police interview, he admitted that he was. Witnesses would also come forward, saying the unidentified men in the Toyota Land Cruiser the trio was saw getting into on the day they were last seen. This man matched the description of Preston. Preston would maintain his innocence and was granted bail in January of 2020. A judge would later admit, however, that some of the evidence against Preston may have been exaggerated, 
and it is possible the wrong man was charged. Number four, Tony Jones. 1982, 20-year-old Tony Jones from Perth, Western Australia. Tony was working his way around Australia, but by November 3rd, 1982, Tony was heading home with his brother Tim across North Queensland. The brothers weren't exactly travelling together, though. Tony hitchhiked while Tim rode his motorcycle. They communicated by phoning relatives and leaving messages for one another. After a couple of weeks in Townsville, Tim began his journey across the Flinders Highway on October 28th, while Tony made a side trip to Cairns. When he got back to Townsville on November 3rd, he called his girlfriend back in Perth, who told him that Tim was already in Mount Isa. His parents wired him $150 to help him get to his brother, and with that, Tony began his hitchhiking journey there. But Tony would never arrive. His bank account was never touched, and he was never heard from again, almost four decades later. Tony also carried a dismantled 22 Volvo rifle with a stained red stock in his backpack. These items have never been found either. In 1983, an anonymous letter was sent to police, saying Tony's body was located in the Fullerton Riverbed near the Flinders Highway. But after an extensive search of the area found nothing, law enforcement declared the letter to be a hoax. The 2002 coronial inquest that declared Tony was dead was damning of the initial 1983 investigation, calling it not sufficient and highlighting many problems, including that it was undermanned and had inexperienced police officers. Witnesses were not interviewed, statements were not properly taken, and leads were not followed up. A sketch of the person of interest was not released for 10 years. A Mount Isa Correctional Centre inmate, Michael James Laundis, came forward in 2011, claiming he was the person responsible for Tony's murder. But he died before he could give an official confession. In 2014, the police received new information indicating Tony may have been murdered in Hewarden, but his body has never been recovered. Despite the coronial inquest, the family were unable to get a death certificate until 2006, and this was only after the Attorney-General at the time, Linda Lovich, changed the laws in Parliament so a death certificate could be issued. Number 3. Michael Isles After a 20-year break since the last Flinders Highway disappearance, Air Police Senior Sergeant Michael Isles disappeared while en route from his home to a training course in Townsville on September 23, 2009. Michael's wife would report him missing that evening after she found the family's gun missing from its safe, along with an undated note suggesting suicide. Although it would later be thought this letter was written much earlier, while Michael was going through chemotherapy for cancer, he had since gone into remission. This was not the only struggle Michael had gone through that year. He'd also been accused of misconduct at work. 
He'd only returned to work following extended sick leave two days before his disappearance. Michael's car was later found abandoned in a creek bed on an isolated property off the Flinders Highway. Found inside the car was his police uniform and a near-empty box of shotgun cartridges, but no sign of the missing shotgun or Michael. Despite a coronial inquest determining Michael died by suicide, extensive police searches of the area failed to locate his body. So speculation does continue about what happened to him to this day. Number 2. Reese Kearney December 21, 2017 26-year-old Reese Kearney stopped to fill up his 2012 Bonville Triumph motorcycle at a roadhouse in Charters Towers. At the time of his disappearance, Reese was living with his parents. He was reportedly in an agitated state after attending a funeral of a close friend who had passed away suddenly. He had smashed his phone upon leaving and left with nothing except the clothes he was wearing. Reese's family believe their son was attempting to make their way over to Normanton to see his brother. However, he never made it, and his family believe he may have gotten into a car crash along the way. Reese's motorcycle was found on February 8, 2018, near a phone tower, around 12 miles away from Georgetown. There was no trace of Reese. Reese's father made an emotional plea to the public for answers. Answers that are still unanswered more than four years later. Quote, I appeal to the people, if they see something, please come forward. We are still hopeful for a happy ending. We love him very much and would like to see him back. Unquote. Number one, Jaden Penno Thompson. Less than two weeks after Reese Kearney went missing, another man went missing along the same stretch of highway. On New Year's Eve 2017, 22-year-old Jaden Penno Thompson was driving with a friend, Lucas, from his home in Newcastle, New South Wales, to Cairns. Somewhere along the way, the two got into an argument over money in the early hours of the morning. Adding to the pressure cooker of the situation, Jaden had also allegedly been taking methamphetamines. Jaden pulled over at Stockroot Road and he walked away into some bush near Charters Towers, never to be seen again. Jaden's friend moved over into the driver's seat and drove away, but once he calmed down, he later returned to try and find him. His family and friends did not immediately report Jaden missing, as they thought he was hitchhiking to his next destination. Hitchhiking was something he was known to do. Extensive ground and air searches in the days after Jaden disappeared failed to locate any sign of him. His bank account and social media accounts have remained inactive. The coronial inquest in May 2021 ruled Jaden likely died from exposure to the elements. The temperatures on the week he disappeared reached highs of 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Jaden's body has never been found. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? 
Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you've heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.